This episode of the Best Seeds Podcast is presented by LA Wine Fest. For tickets and information, go to LAWineFest.com. This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 115 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality industry from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. As always, I'm your host, Croft McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. Thank you to my friend, Allie Coyle, who provides the music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. And fun fact, if you are listening to the show on the day that it premieres on Patreon, which we'll get to in a second, she is playing tonight in Costa Mesa over at the Wayfair. If you are listening uh, in day of, go get tickets. If you missed it, go to AllieCoyleMusic.com and check out her work. I know she is working on some new upcoming stuff. As a reminder, if you enjoy listening to the show, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review if you're listening to it on free feeds, whether that's Spotify, Apple, anything like that. It helps other folks discover it. Sadly, everything is an algorithm nowadays, and we have to play the game, too. You can go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this. Check out the apparel store. Some new stuff is going to be dropping. Uh, blog is coming back and a bunch more. Let's get to episode 115. Now, bit, now, if you're listening to these episodes in succession, you're just clicking next, you're just going to the next one, then you have no idea that sadly we took about a two-week hiatus. Unfortunately, a little bit of a head cold worked its way through Orange County. A lot of the guests that I had lined up, sadly, all seemed to get it at the same time. Now, luckily, everybody is healthy and everybody is back and it is finally time to share their stories, and we have some amazing ones. And I'm so happy to welcome my guest for this episode of the Best Seats Podcast, the Queen Cochina of Chela's Mexican Kitchen, Carla Vasquez. Uh, Chela's is a great, it, it's one of those places that if you don't have love in your heart for just a neighborhood family-run restaurant, then I don't know what's wrong with you. Because Chela's is exactly that. And Carla Vasquez is just a really great figure in the industry. She started this business in the last recession, um, late 2000s. Obviously, she, as you'll hear in the episode, was working kind of in interior design and everything was kind of crumbling, especially out here in Orange County, which was one of the hardest hit markets in the U.S. during that time. Um, almost famously, and, and looking back on it almost comedically, how bad it was and just how tragic it was out here. So, hey, you know, what better time than then to launch a restaurant? <laughs> well, a lot of things could have gone wrong and she stayed the course and she grounded out. And while being a mother to three, just decided to keep grinding and grinding and grinding. And it's become more than a restaurant. It is in her words, her fourth child. Um, it has become a beloved neighborhood institution. It recently at the time of this recording, as you'll hear is just about to come up on its one year anniversary of changing locations after almost being lost. And now it's been reopened down to San Clemente, 
with a vigor and a fervor that only Carla can bring. She is just those type of people that you come across in this industry and you just want to know more. You just, you, you, her energy is infectious. Her passion is tangible and the food is just good. I mean, it's really good food. Whenever I'm in that area, if I see her at an event, if it's anything like that, I'm fired up to eat her food. And if you're not familiar with it, now you will be. Because episode 115 of the Best Seats podcast, after a wee hiatus, but returning back with some force, is my guest and a force in her own right, Carla Vasquez of Cella's Mexican Kitchen. Enjoy. Carla, good morning. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I know that we had to reschedule this one a couple of times. Unfortunately, there's a cold going around. Beautiful, healthy Southern California at the time of this recording. You and I are kind of both on the tail end of getting over it. So apologies in advance if there's a couple of cuts for coughs. But we are finally ready to sit down and talk about Chela's. And I am so excited to. But before we dive in and talk about all the different things that I want to, would you mind taking a moment to introduce yourself, give a little bit of your background and how this restaurant came to be? Um, yes, thank you for having me. And so I am Carla Vasquez, and we opened Chela's in 2011. So I'm going on almost 13 years with Chela's. Um, and basically we opened out of a dream, passion, what we love to do, which is cook for others and entertain and a little bit of all that. So Chela's, 13 years, and again, I, I for whatever reason before I met and I got the actual enunciation, I was calling it Chela, so that's reactionary. Um, Chela's 13 years. Now we're recording this in the new location down in San Clemente, coming up on close to its first year of being open. This is about 10 months at this point, at least at the t time of this recording. Um, and I want to talk about moving locations and what that experience was like, but the original location was what Laguna Hills area, correct? Yes, it was Laguna Niguel. Laguna Niguel. Okay. Again, if for anybody that knows this area, there's just like 12 lagunas all rolled into yeah. a bunch of hills and suburban areas. How did that first location come to be? And you mentioned it was kind of a passion and kind of a love affair getting it open. How did it come to be? I mean, what was the, I mean, nobody just wakes up one day and is like, yeah, I'm going to jump in this industry. I mean, some people do, but they're, you know, why, why do it? Why open a spot? Well, as I was telling you right before we, we, you turned on the on air mm. button. Um, there's a backstory of Chela's that I've never, we've never really told. Um, the way it started was my husband's idea. It would happen during the last recession mm. and he's a contractor. And as you know, development completely stopped and just yeah, everything that, that happened. Yeah. Exactly. So there was a, a big hit in the industry and I was an interior designer at the, at the time as well. So, so we were kind of like in the same industry, similar. And um, so he said, why don't we open a restaurant for, he thought, immediate income. You know, you think of a restaurant and you're immediately getting, yeah, you think, oh, getting we'll get cash flow. So, yeah. Exactly. Well, huge turns surprise. Out, turns out not to be that. <laughs> <laughs> huge surprise. Um, so I was just helping out with the idea. It, there was other partnerships um, involved. And it all started in our backyard and doing what we love. We literally had a fryer in our backyard. We did focus groups. We invited friends. We invited non-friends, started the recipe development, everything. I was actually pregnant at the time with my last one. And 
I'm not sure how much I, I don't I want to shorten the story. Um, but with that said, when it was time to open mm-hmm. and run the restaurant, things change with partnerships. And yeah. everyone kind of said, well, this is not what I want to do. A hundred percent. I just, you know, wanted as an investment and turns out it, it ended up being my, the little girl that I, that I never had <laughs> my baby <laughs> at the time. Um, so I honestly didn't love it for a couple years because I had to, somebody had to lose their business, their, whatever they were doing at the time. And that became my full-time job. And having younger kids at the time, 13 years, um, it was very difficult because I had to start, you know, 14 hours a day, 16 hours a day for the first couple months yeah. until I, I figured out a structure to not have to be here all the time um, and to be able to do a lot remotely and come in, in and out. And, and the rest is history. And then 13 years later, I'm still here. I realized how much creativity, because that's what I love to do, I always say I even married an art. My husband's name is Art. My son's name is Art. And um, and I realize how the restaurant and cooking merges with design and creativity so much more. And that's when I, like, honestly, five years, six years later, it became my passion. And I really love helping, entertaining, the customer service part and the relationships with customers and all that good stuff. That's what I love. There's a very natural correlation between people who are creatives and the restaurant space. I mean, is it a chef who I adore, Mark Pierre White? He said the most important thing is, first of all, how a restaurant feels. So when you walk in, you're already creating that space, whether it's design, whether it's the way you're kind of setting up, whether it's the way you're plating, if you're in the bar game, whether the way you're garnishing, things like that. So there is a very kind of natural relationship there. How did you achieve balance? I mean, 13 years later, obviously, you know, two of your kids are grown, one is still in school, but you're still doing this while being a mom to three and three boys. And for any of the parents listening, fine, you guys can argue all day, which is easier girls or boys, but mm-hmm. having grown up as a boy, I know what a terror and a little tyrant I was. So yeah. I can't imagine it was easy. How did you find balance in an industry that is not known for a work-life balance? Well, I'll tell you, you forever feel the mom guilt and the business owner guilt is mm-hmm. super similar. I'm constantly guilty. Am I giving enough time to the restaurant? Am I giving enough time to my kids? So I've learned to choose which balls to drop and as you're juggling them. And I've realized, and I've always known the most important thing to me are my kids. And um, my, my aunt, that's like a second mom to me, once told me, don't feel guilty because you're working when my kids were little. She's like, trust me, they're fine. When they grow up is in when they really need you. And I didn't get that. I'm like, how does that make sense? Well, now I know. So luckily being 13 years in the business now, I'm able to pull away and do so much more, like I, like I said, remotely and, and just kind of get the wheel going. So I'm able to work during the day while they're in school or at work and I'm home because I was a latchy kid. I don't know, back then we were all right. <laughs> and, I, and I do not wanna give that to my kids. So yeah. obviously they were with nannies before, but now I wanna make sure that with the bigger they are, the bigger the problem. And like you said, being a boy, 
Yes, dear little terrorizers. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> Full do of do energy. dumb things. That's yeah, exactly. Fair. Yes, um, which is all fun and great, and I love it. Wouldn't change it, you know, for anything. But that's basically how I juggle it now. Mm. I've never used them as an, not an obstacle, but as an excuse to, oh, I can't make it to this meeting. Oh, yeah. I just, I just don't. I just say I can't make it. Um, and basically, my schedule goes around theirs. And it's always been that way and it's, I'm used to it and it, and it works. Um, it's kind of, be, I, I mean, again, the way you described it, choosing kind of which ball to drop is kind of beautifully bittersweet and honest because you can't, it would be unrealistic to kind of think that you could achieve that everything would be perfect, right? Everything would be in this kind of beautiful symbiotic relationship when it's just not the case. I mean, things, you know, a, a restaurant is just like triage. What went wrong today? What needs fixing? What needs to be fixed? I mean, again, before when I was setting up the equipment, you know, you'd been out for a couple of days getting over a cold, as we mentioned in the opening, and you're like, I got to do a couple of things real quick, like, because yeah. this is your baby. Like, I got to clean it up real quick. I got to fix a couple of things. Yeah. 13 years in this industry is an achievement. And I'd be remiss, even though we're, you know, three years, two years, however you want to look at it, removed from it at this point. But to not just survive the pandemic as a restaurant owner, but also having children and having to be a mom and having to worry about the school thing. And you mentioned, you know, when they're at home, well, everybody being at home during, you know, 2020. And I don't want to linger on it too long just because we are removed from it at this point. But what was that experience like for you? Because this is not an easy job day to day anyway. Then tack on everything else. Yeah. How was that experience? Honestly, and it's funny because I, we exchanged emotions and experiences with other restaurateurs and everybody felt felt the same thing. It felt like when we had just opened. Yeah. Like 100%. We had to go back to basics and do what we were doing from doing pop-ups to packaging your own food from, you know, having 13 employees to just being three of you and selling groceries, doing whatever we needed to do. Mm -hmm. Um selling your organs practically almost you're like <laughs> what else can we do to survive yeah, that this? extra kidney market got real big exactly yeah. um no so it was it it was actually kind of nice because of certain things that you stopped doing kind of nice in this in this sense that guilt that you always get like i always feel guilty oh my goodness i haven't used my register enough oh my goodness i haven't you know done this enough because you there's so many hats you have to switch around yeah but it's nice to see that it's like riding a bike and it and it gives you that kind of that confidence and power again like i got this i can go back to square one i can do what i was doing when i first opened um it's a little bit of a struggle and and you always obviously during the pandem pandemic we didn't know what to expect it was so unknown yeah but it created so many new um like experiences we had to what's the word i'm looking for if you say pivot, I swear pivot. to God. I was just going to say that. <laughs> mandatory <laughs> word. Mandatory. I'm like, I'm trying to change it up here. It was 100% pivot. <laughs> no escaping it. I know. <laughs> pivot and new ideas. Yeah. Like literally I got new ideas from that experience that have become a project that I'm going to, I'm working on unfolding. It's taking a little bit longer, but like everything, you know, once mm -hmm. you have your business and everything, and then you give yourself other other projects. It's gonna take time, but yeah. as long as you don't forget about them. Um, so yeah, it was an experience. It was difficult. It was fun, and and it brought everyone closer. So I think we all learned a lot from it. Um, 
this new location that we're sitting in, as I mentioned, uh, at the time of this recording, has been open 10 months. The other location, I mean, while being there and being established and no doubt having a very dedicated local clientele, anybody that kind of knows that area knows that it is a slower area. Um, people who listen to this show, you can go back and listen to the episode with the guys from OC Local Taproom who built basically just down the street from where the original location was. I know that they talk about that market a little bit. But being here now, and I was Googling this in the car right when I parked, you are half a mile away from Vista Hermosa Sports Park, which for anybody that doesn't know San Clemente is a massive multi-purpose field, baseball field, aquatic center, right up the hill um, in Telega. You're a mile and a half from San Clemente High School, massive football program. I want to say it's well over 2,000 students. And three miles from San Clemente Pier, which is the right downtown. I mean, Del Mar, all of that. There's a lot going on here. I mean, yeah. in the 10 months since you've been here, what has the change been like from the day-to-day that was the original location to yeah. now with so many things right nearby? Um, I actually really like that question because you don't know what to expect. It's like when you're moving to a new neighborhood, yeah. 100%. This is like our house, right? So relocating, um, we were, I mean, we've been in Orange County for over almost two decades. Yeah, absolutely. But coming here, I realized, and being Laguna Niguel, our first location, um, you don't know how, what to compare it with. Mm-hmm. I immediately knew from when we opened the doors, I was in shock. My staff was in shock because there's, I have some old timers here. And the welcoming that San Clemente gave us, I even thought, okay, this is not going to last. We're, we're, you know, the, the, new, the new kids on the vlog, they're, they're coming in to check us out. People are on another time here. Like, mm-hmm. so amazing, so friendly, so grateful. Not that Logan Miguel wasn't, but it's just a different di- diversity of, of Yeah. Of no, by no, mean, yeah, by no means am I throwing Laguna Niguel mm-hmm. under the bus, but I do want to just different. focus on, yeah. Yes, and everyone is just, and I don't know if it's because of where we're at, the Talega part, because um, 99% of, it, of, of our clientele, of our customers are surrounded on this area, Talega. Yeah. And everyone is just so friendly, so appreciative of us being here that it made us feel so like welcome. Well, it's, and I love you're in that. an amazingly accessible location. I mean, for anybody that knows mm-hmm. San Clemente, you basically get off the highway, you get on Pico, you go past the high school inland. And like I said, you're a mile and a half from that. I mean, it's not hard to get here. It's yeah. very easy. And San Clemente, I mean, when I first moved out here, I was doing um, some coaching at San Clemente High School on the side before I got into doing this. So I know this area very well. And 10, 12 years ago, you were seeing and kind of feeling that surge of growth. And San Clemente has always been a very proud area. It's, it's, yeah. it's insulated, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It's very proud of its heritage. It's proud of what it is. Um, but the culinary growth down here, especially the past probably two years, has been massive. Yeah. Well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me re-evaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better 
than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potage comes in. Heirloom Potage designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef. Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotage.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potage, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloom potage. For you coming in and being able to, you know, immediately find success and and new clientele and, and new customers and people that love you being here, when you were building out this space, that's a challenging thing for a restaurant owner to do. Be like, hey, we're going to close this door and as quickly as humanly possible, try to get the new one open. <clears throat> what was the process like of making the decision to leave your original area and to come here and to kind of be able to you know, flex your design chops again and design a space and, and kind of help it evolve? I'm going to be honest with you. When I decided to close the doors because and not renew the lease mm-hmm. and all that. You know what? I'm going to take I'm going to go back to what I love to do, interior design. Yeah. I used to also do real estate. If you start asking me, I've done it all. <clears throat> I started working at a young age. So when I closed it literally felt like we were mourning, like my whole family. So first of all, the restaurant is named after my mother-in-law and she passed mm-hmm. 20, 21 years ago. And that's why we decided to name it after her. And also because Chela is, in case you don't know, it's slang for beer. Yep. So we thought, why not? Rose, nice, and the tongue, everything, right? So I had the opportunity to close and I said, this is my chance to actually do something else. Well, within a month, right away, we all felt it. I mean, my kids missed the food. I missed the food. I missed all of it. And I just started digesting it. And it was just so confusing because I said, until something hit me and I was like, no. And I started thinking of all the relationships and everyone I've met in these years and the events that we do. And I realized I am not going to throw away 13 years of my life and sacrifices just overnight. And then I realized how much I actually loved it and missed it. And I said, let's do this. So, so <laughs> I texted my agent and we saw several locations and for some, and this one was like a pocket listing wasn't even listed. And he said, let's go check it out. They had just closed, you know, family emergency issues. I don't know. And, um, <clears throat> and we locked it in. And I wanted to open and needed very minimal, um, just cosmetic design, little things like that. And like I was telling you, I, I said, I'm just going to roll this and open it in two, three months. But there's always little obstacles. And I decided to change something that require permits and plans, things like that. So it no, took five months. It's, it, yeah, it's and five months for <clears throat> versus three months is nothing to, to gawk at. That's great. I mean, anybody who ever says, oh, we're going to open a restaurant and it's going to be spring of this year. And I'll be like, OK, I'll see you in the fall. Like exactly. It's just the way it works. Like yeah. it's just, it's a given. You just learn to go with that. But correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm hearing you correctly, then I was under the impression that the intention was always to move, but you were basically saying that if there was an intention that you were potentially going to walk away from it for a moment mm-hmm. and you got drawn back into it by the energy. 
I, I mean, did. you you return right to the dealer. You're like, I thought I was clean. I can't get out, man. Like, I, I need to. <laughs> I, I know. Seriously, it's like choose your poison. This is my poison. No, I love it. And it's just what it, we've always that one thing we were always sure about. And that's why, like, I supported my husband with the idea when he said, let's open a restaurant. Mm -hmm. We've always and anybody that knows us will tell you we love entertaining and we don't just invite like when we make a dinner we don't do you know a sit down 10 people five but no we invite like everyone yeah. neighbors our friends whatever we're grilling we have the smoker on just different things going on and um we just love it you know there's drinks and food and entertaining and our kids and their friends it's just always been like that since forever so it just it just worked it was almost like second nature to us. Mm -hmm. um, so just, I don't know, I couldn't imagine not <clears throat> reopening and the opportunities arised and I said, let's go for it. So for anybody that hasn't <clears throat> been either to the original location or to the new location down here, can describe the restaurant. I mean, what, A, you know, obviously we're talking Mexican food, we're talking, I mean, what year you guys won, what, best taco in Orange County by, I wanna say it was Orange Coast Magazine. Yeah one yes. yeah a couple of years of, ago like not that actually not even that long five, ago six years ago i believe yeah. it was um i was trying to remember the year uh, we were actually in new york when a friend of mine said hey did you look at the magazine i was like you're like no, no. <laughs> and he sends me a picture and i was like what oh my god this is amazing um and my kids right away well why why was it number one <laughs> i'm like i'll take number three it's okay out of 30 in orange county it's a big achievement. It's a podium for, finish, yeah. Yeah, anything. And even if we didn't have, you know, that award or whatever it was, I I have to be honest, and our food is amazing. I ha We've always said we wouldn't serve something we wouldn't eat. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> I'm not sure how, every, how everyone else does it in the industry, but we've never sacrificed quality. And sometimes we could possibly be making more profit, but I just cannot do that. Literally, I was talking to my chef about that and I was like, we cannot sacrifice, even if things get expensive. I rather, and I'm honest with my customers, I rather increase it a couple cents to, to make sure that we we could still stay open, Yeah. but I'm not gonna shrink, make the burrito smaller, put less quantity. I just cannot I, live with myself. I mean, literally this is, this is a couple episodes in a row now. I mean, just having, you know, Justin Warner on the show from trust up in downtown Santa Ana. And these are entirely, you know, two different restaurants we're talking about here, but he said the exact same thing, same sentiment. He goes, I'm not sacrificing ingredient quality. I'm just not. So I deal know. with it. <laughs> we figure out other ways. And sometimes I'm like, okay, are we here to make money or are we here? And then right away, my other side of the brain, I don't care. I'm not, I'd rather not be open, but if I'm not going to give it my all, my heart. And like I said, I, if, if we're not going to eat it, if we're not going to serve it to our friends in our house, we just rather not have it. Yeah. If we're not going to serve something a hundred percent the way our liking, we'll just remove it. And sometimes we bring out, I've, I've realized actually early on, I realized, um, adding items off the menu, or certain specials. Now we kind of do it for for fun and you know like oh there's there's new dish that we highlight at Pacific Food and Wine or whatever event we're doing. Mm -hmm. But in reality, I don't know what it is. Our customers are so loyal and used to our menu and I tell myself if it's not broken, why fix it? So whenever you see a new menu item, 
over the years, some of them have stuck and have made it, like they made it to the menu here in San Clemente. Um, but we try to keep it small. And our thing was since yeah. the beginning to also save on cost um, and to, for simplicity's sake. And because we had never done anything like this, um, to keep it, and I've just kind of kept it the same way, is not adding a new ingredient. And if it's that ingredient is gonna give me only one dish, I'd rather not have it unless, well, the ribeye taco is the only one that has like the ingredient <laughs> that is only for that dish. Um, but we, we cross use to, to prevent that waste or whenever yeah, the yeah, avocados yeah. are expensive or just stretch, something happens stretch, with the food chain. Yeah, yes. Stretch the ingredient as far as you can while still maintaining the quality <clears throat> of it. Exactly. Yeah. And that just kind of seems to work and it's customers have are, are drawn to it and they just come back for their same dish. And whenever I'm at the register, I've tried telling them, try our new item, blah, blah. No, 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 I'll just stick to the same one. And yeah. I don't know if it's because our portions are big and they'll get, full. I, I don't get it, but I'm, you know, try not to add too many new items. People like good food, man. Sometimes it's as simple as that. People, <laughs> when the food's good, people come. Exactly. Um, the, you the mentioned favorites. it really quickly. You mentioned Pacific Wine and Food and coming to events like that. One of the things that I've always really respected about you and your work ethic is that you are at a lot of events and you really get the name of the restaurant out there and you get your food in front of people. It's a weird, it's like this weird mandatory thing restaurants have to do when you open in a community is really, you want to engage with that community, right? You want to bring in new customers. So that means that you go out into the community, you do events, you do things like that. I want to say at the time of this recording, you guys are going to be serving your food at an event here in San Clemente this weekend. Mm. What's it like to open a new space? And it's one thing to bring in new customers, but what's it like to then have to learn a new community? Hey, are we getting engaged with the high school on yeah. you know, major football nights? Are we getting engaged in different things? This event that you're doing this weekend, what's it like from a operations standpoint to not just open a new restaurant, but then have to engage with a yeah. brand new community? Yeah, it's, it takes time. It's like making friends in that new neighborhood, you yeah. know? Um, and it makes it easy because of the welcoming that they've gave us. And in what you said about the events, I personally, I feel like I have to be there. I'd rather not do it if I'm not. And for example, the one that I'm doing this Saturday, the, the Sheckler Foundation, that's that's right what it was here. for. Yeah, Sheckler's, yes. yeah, because Ryan Sheckler obviously lives and is from this and area. And he's one of our customers. Yeah. And when I found out, I got so excited. <laughs> and I said, I want to feed the kids, you know, at the, the skate park and this event that they created during the pandemic. Um, I said, I really want to be part of it. And honestly, between you and I and everyone else, I almost canceled because I was sick. Yeah. And because I said, if I'm going to if I'm going to do that, I have to be there. It's your brand. It's your <clears throat> it's your child. You 100%. want to represent it. I mean, 100%. nobody will yeah. ever represent. It's like talking about your kids. I, I've always compared the restaurant like my kids. Like you love it. You're you're forever on call. You're whatever it needs. You're there. If I if the restaurant needs something and I bring my kids, I, I bring them. I mean, they've been part of it since they were little. Yeah. Um, and if they have to help, they help. Um, once then that's a whole nother conversation. But then you realize once they grow up, whether that's their passion or dad's industry. So that's what that's a new one for us. But it's okay. They don't have to love what we do. Well, um, I, and, and I want they to support it. Yeah. And I wanted to ask that because again, you know, when you, you mentioned early on having them young, that is a question that I did want to ask is there is that relationship. I mean, this is as much 
their sibling as it is your child. I mean, it's been part of their lives, their lives. I mean, you know, and as you get older, there's always that hard conversation of, is it, you know, are you staying in the family business? Do you want to pursue your own passions? And that's a difficult, you know, subject to broach and always a new lesson to be learned. But what is their relationship like with the restaurant? I mean, they, you know, they've grown up literally inside of, you know, this place at times. I mean, how is that, what's that like for you as a mother of both the restaurant and your children to watch? Um, they've been in training at home all the time, like constantly. I'm like, <laughs> wash the dishes, million dollars spatula. Don't throw it away. My yeah. for, my two oldest started when they were ten, and it's funny because I even had a customer that was complaining about it because they got served by a ten year old. Yeah, and on social media they were fighting. There was this debate, and I said, I actually sent my kids to. A culinary school a course a small course for the mm-hmm. summer classes um just for safety and just so they could kind of you know yeah get the passion and whatnot so they started here at 10 um working you know every summer so they they learned it eventually and let me tell you one thing i didn't train them it just didn't work I was like, no leaning on mom I'm on the register. No, can I go to break? No, <laughs> literally I taught them if you're, you know, the manager's gonna, if you get there late, which it was me taking them, you say, you apologize, you know, all of that. I made, yeah. made, I made them see it like a real job, like clocking in, clocking out, you break us 10 minutes, put a timer, things like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they learn to, to know the industry and whenever I need help, they, they come in. And when we opened this one, the same thing, like they both had to, but to answer the question, um, they prefer the construction. They want to demo and, you know, they they didn't go to school because we didn't really push it. My husband and I didn't go to school. Mm-hmm. I respect that. And if they- School meaning like it, college after college, high school, like, yeah, yes, tradition, yeah. College, because I have two that graduated, I'm sorry, yes. Um, I, no, I, I'm just worried about that one person reeling, be like, shit, do they know did how to they read? Like, what they not graduate? Oh my goodness, shame <laughs> on them, chelas. No, yeah, they chose not to go to college Which is and go fine. to real life yeah. school. So they each have their jobs in the industry of construction. And um, that's basically what they want to follow is dad's, dad's yeah. industry. It pays more money, they say. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. It's fair, I mean, yeah. that's, I personally, I personally love that because again, I love the idea of like your 10 year old running, you know, food because we're not talking child labor. We're talking about helping a family business exactly. and that's what it is. It means that, yes, yeah, sometimes the whole family is there. I mean, yeah. you weren't sending them to, you know, Sri Lanka to make shoes. Like exactly. it was, it's not the same. So boy, I would have loved to seen the comments on that fight. And oh media. yeah. Yeah. And literally the other person said something about code, blah, 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 says that if your family business, you can, you know, all of that. I was like, you're like, well, I'm gonna bookmark that. But yeah. Wow, yes, it's really good to teach them young. Yeah, my my youngest one is gonna start this summer. My my oldest, you know, get a little upset that he hasn't started yet. But it happened during COVID when yeah. he was ten, then eleven. So I'm like, <laughs> like concessions cut him some were made. Sl- yeah. Cut him some slack, exactly. <laughs> so he will start this summer. But I've been training him, training him at home, you know, with all of that customer service. And if you see a customer that's looking up what do they need yeah. you know all, all of those little that's awesome those little things yeah well we're going to start to wind down this main episode i'm going to keep you around for a bonus episode which people can find on patreon um for subscribers but i want to ask you know you mentioned that 
you know, the two boys are older. They've kind of moved on to their thing. You have the other son who's going to help out. But it's transitioning, right? I mean, you've been in this, you know, 13 years. That's a long time for it. New location is obviously up and thriving. And, you know, people still adore the food in a brand new community that adores it. What does the future look like? I mean, where do you kind of go from here? Yeah, I know. After what I told you, I'm actually looking to... I'm almost finalizing a second location here in San Clemente. I'm not going to say where yet. I didn't want to say it, but now I'm manifesting it. I don't like to say something until it's done. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. sometimes you kind of have to. But ideally, the, the ideally. next one is on the way. Exactly. Which is great. And it's a little scary because, you know, what everyone says with what's coming, recession. But, you know, recession does bring good opportunities. So... Tacos, um, tacos are recession proof. Exactly. Yeah. And we all <laughs> saw it during the pandemic. Yeah. I couldn't believe how much, like we all wanted to go out and drink and take that, take that drink to go mm-hmm. and buy that food and, and, and then support each other. So I feel like if we survive that, we can survive this. So that's in the works. And like I was telling you during the pandemic, you know, new ideas arose. And um, so working on, on my package food line and a lot of that. So there's yeah. a lot of things in the works. Um, but like we say in Spanish, todo a su tiempo, everything at its time. So sometimes I do, I do try to remember, okay, I don't want perfection paralysis. Um, but if, if it isn't the time, I'd rather wait. Yeah. And then there's so much more, you know, my kids are still growing and just certain things I don't want to um, how do you say it in English? I'm trying to translate. Like not pay attention to. Yeah, you don't. And those want are my like, my kids, yeah. my family. So, and luckily, this isn't my bread and butter. You know, I have my husband, so that helps. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what we choose to do. Um, so, if it takes a little bit longer than what it should, it's okay. I tell myself, don't feel guilty. You know, there's other priorities. But yeah, those are the plans: is to expand and um, keep going. That's awesome. Well, I mean, congratulations on the new location. It's Thank and you. congratulations on the continued success. I mean, the old one I think will it probably left a, a lasting mark on the people of the community back there. And then you're no I see doubt them making sometimes. a mark now. Yeah, it's That's a little awesome. bit of a, of a distance, but they still come and visit. Yeah. It's really, really nice to see them. Well, if people want to learn more about the restaurant, <laughs> um, as we kind of wrap this main episode before we do the bonus one, but if people want to learn more about the restaurant, you kind of the story whether it's social media, websites, things like that. Where can people find you guys at? So Instagram, Chela's Mix Kitchen. And that's basically also for Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter. And what else do we do now? I can't. I know, there's so many. There's so many. Whatever. But just. it's Chela's Mix Kitchen. <laughs> You're all adults listening. You exactly. can figure it out. Exactly. You'll figure, just Google it. You'll, you'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, again, thank you for the time on this main one. We're going to do a bonus episode. But before that... Just, yeah, cheers again to the continued success and thank you for the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Carla, so much for taking the time to come on the show. Again, if you're down in the San Clemente area or you're at a food event where she is, you owe it to yourself to go say hi, meet her. She's one of the nicest people you're ever going to meet. She's at all of the events. As you heard, she is the face of it. She is the brand. That is her kid. It is more than a restaurant. It is a neighborhood institution and a part of her family. So I hope that you will go check it out. Thank you to everybody who supports this show over on patreon.com forward slash the best seats where you 
can get exclusive access to the bonus episode each and every week. You get early ad-free listening ahead of the rest of the public. I think I even forgot to mention that in the opening of the show. That's how long it's been. But we are back, and I thank the advertisers for making that happen. I thank all of you, whether you're listening on free feeds or not. I still love you, and I love the support. Be sure to share it with your friends. Stay off of Yelp. Tip your bartenders. Thank you to Allie Coyle for the music, everybody. Make sure you go see her live and check out some shows this summer if you can. I think that's all the housekeeping. I'll see everybody next time. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito No Rito, Sasha Lyons, Subtle Bubbles, Jay Baker, Tim Swine, Burgermaster, It Ain't Easy Being Greasy, Boyga Kang. Thank you for your support.